and he like scooched over and tried to give me a kiss on the cheek what and i flinched and like recoiled no. really fast and that was the wow. precipice of the end of our relationship <laughs> he brought all the passion you brought the indifference and then i didn't have a boyfriend until university <laughs> literally Hey there, I'm your host, Karen, and today's episode of Run the Credits is less of the typical interview we'll do on this podcast, but more just a highly anticipated conversation with my close friend, collaborator, fellow film lover, and BoJack Horseman stan, Michelle. We grew up in the suburbs of Toronto together, but haven't lived in the same city since high school, so I'd only see her every so often, and this year, going to South by Southwest Film Festival together was the first time I'd seen her since 2019. And since then, we'd built a whole app together and released it called Telly, so I would talk to her multiple times a week, but we just never managed to meet in person until a few weeks ago in Austin. And all you need to know about Michelle is that she's one of a kind. She's the type of person that's both done a ton of self-reflection and knows herself well, but is also incredibly informed and curious about the world. Is it not a virtue these days to be even just one of those things? In this episode, we reflect on the incomparable experience of going to South by Southwest. It was our first time going for both of us, so this was our genuine reactions as of day six of being there. And disclaimer that while we do talk a lot about film, the screenings we saw, the film people we met, we end up wandering into a few sidebars about AI and the metaverse, our first boyfriends, the random conversations we had with architects from Austria. So if you're on board, I really sincerely hope you enjoy. You look the same. Do I? I hope that's a compliment. You know what's funny is that um, when you're younger and someone tells you you look the same, it's offensive because you're like, I thought I, I thought I looked thirty. I and thought like I got wiser. Yeah, yeah. But now it's a compliment because I'm nearing my thirties. You're not that near. I hate that. <laughs> um, no, you look exactly the same. I'm sure you'll look the same until you're like thirty-nine. You know, and that. then it's like, and then once overnight. I'm sixty-five, it's overnight. It's game overnight. over. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. Game over. I think this was like the perfect way for us to get back together because South by Southwest, a very film nerd type place, but also like career wise, there's so many interesting panels. It's very intellectual. You've gone, we'll talk about this more, but you've gone to a lot of very like academic even mm-hmm. um, events. And mm-hmm. so I think this was a perfect chance for us to hang out, but also be like exploring and learning. Yeah. And it's almost a mini vacation for us. It is. We were very free with our schedule. You were chugging ciders at like... I was chugging ciders. 10 p.m. on Wednesday. naps. I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't do that on the regular. (laughs) She's not saying she's not doing that. I didn't feel guilty when I did it yesterday. (laughs) And I met your boyfriend. You met my boyfriend. Likewise. Yes. Yes. And then little buddies. They did. Yeah, because we did our own thing. And then they were trapped in the house together. (laughs) So I think it was either become buddies or get your own Airbnb. Or someone is coming out of this not alive. Yes, you would have gone home with no boyfriend. (laughs) No, you would have gone home. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. For the audience, Karen's boyfriend, Nico, um, is superhuman. (laughs) I I don't think he's superhuman. (laughs) The man will wake up and go to the gym consistently which we love. Nico's like, 
I'm like, Nico, wear a mask on the airplane. You're going to get sick. He's like, I never get sick. And then he gets sick. And you're telling me he's not a superhuman. <laughs> no, but then he gets sick. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was wonderful to meet Kevin because also we've met each other's boyfriends online, mm-hmm. like on Zoom. Literally in passing. Yeah. Like, um, because Karen will be sitting at her desk and then I'll see Nico in the background, just a man in shorts. And he'll like not know that you're on the phone and he'll, him and I are kind of weird at home. So he'll be like, hello. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, hopefully at the next South by Southwest trip, I'll get to see that side of Nico. Yeah. yeah. You guys can develop a special rapport. I think so. So we've been here since Friday. Yes. March 10th insane i mean i don't have dates in my mind <laughs> and today it is thursday march 16th yeah um we had two other friends who were here in our um airbnb as well mo and brian shout yes. out to them shout out to them they were very cool they were just like the ultimate fans of everything like they maximized like mo came home every day with like five different hats from all of the <laughs> i was a little bit like you were gathering so much stuff your wife <laughs> is gonna be like this does not fit in your one drawer that you have in this house. <laughs> he's going to just need to continue to upgrade his house to fit all the shit that he brings That's true. Home. That's true. He's trapped himself to yeah. his life. I think everyone gelled really well. Um, maybe we should actually talk about how we planned this in the first place and what our expectations were mm-hmm. going into it. Because I had bought my pass in 2019 and I was trying to go in 2020 as just like a film lover and I was going to see like five films a day and like blah, 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 blah. And... It just get, kept getting canceled and deferred mm-hmm. until finally I got it in 2023. And I was like, there's no excuses for me this year. And so I was definitely going. I had not bought my ticket with anyone else. I had just bought it literally by myself. So I was like, I need people to come. And boyfriend is very easy to convince to come. But for in terms of other people, like you and Kevin and yeah. Mo and Brian, like definitely I think the thing that united us all was an interest in film and the desire to be part of an environment where film and TV were at the forefront. This is definitely a festival where you want to experience it with other people. Of course, like everyone is open to meet everybody else and strangers will just become buds. But it is a scary experience. Like that is to be said. Um, So when you come with people who bring that same energy, you get hyped up. Like the first day definitely for me was, okay, let's push ourselves, Mm -hmm. but let's also not have too many expectations. Yeah. First and foremost, do what you want to do be interested in the events that you're going to if you're missing a couple others don't let that sit over your head yeah but you definitely get more comfortable yeah I think I feel very comfortable now and I think the first the key things that like pushed us over the edge were the first times we had a conversation with someone who we didn't come with Mm -hmm. or the first times we went up to someone whose film had just played or like had a great conversation with someone in line you know all those things make you feel more connected for sure I think my South by Southwest experience was a lot heavier on film screenings and film and tv panels mm-hmm. yours was much heavier on like design we saw some screenings together but you were like a lot more gung-ho about going to the design events yes and That is what's great about this conference is that in the morning I would go to panels, not even just about design, like I would go to some climate change ones, I would go to some AI ones, just such a collection of different intelligent people talking about their favorite subject matter. Yeah. And then going to films in the evening. Yeah. Literally every hour of the day, there's 10 to 15 things that you could be going to. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and they all sound so fucking sexy and we should actually talk about how we got bamboozled by some of these titles of events (laughs) (laughs) um there's so many things to do and so i think our process was basically like everyone in the house we got up at like 8 45 every morning because you can get the express passes which basically put you at the front of the line for events oh my god lines being so long that's a whole other topic but yes 8.45, you get up and like you prepare at 9 a.m. to get like the express events that you want. So that basically for that 15 minutes in the morning, we were like all debating and discussing like, what are we going to today? What do we overlap? And then people would throw out events that they were interested in. And we would either be like pass or like, oh, cool. Actually, I really want to do that too. Mm -hmm. And then coordinate that way. And it would just take it day by day, right? Honestly, when we had the Excel spreadsheet, we went in with good intentions um <laughs> the we, best of the intentions. best of intentions but to your point it's you can't you can't prepare for this conference yeah it's impossible you yeah. really ha- just have to be open-minded so for myself a lot of it like karen said were panels um and i don't think i went in with the intention of i only want to go to design events although i had to go to those for work if my boss is listening I went to all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And if he's not, you also went to all of them. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. This blows up, I went to all of them. I think it would be cool if you could give us some actual titles of events that you went to because they brand them so interestingly. They do. I can talk about the one that I really enjoyed the most. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was a conversation about building a sustainable economy in the metaverse. So a little bit of design in there because the concept of the metaverse is still very new. And to bring it to the consumer market, designers need to do that, right? Yeah. Well, you need to design the world that is so compelling that people are going to leave this world. Like engineers are cool. Thank you so much for your <laughs> your brilliance in making this technology yes, thank available. Thank you for your service, all engineers. But for your average person, um, you know, a designer needs to step in and make it accessible, yeah. make it approachable, and like make it sexy. So this was a really cool chat. And what I really, really liked about it was that it was all women. And wow. that was really great because my experience engaging with like the VR community and the metaverse community is it's all dudes wait that's so funny do you think in the metaverse they're gonna have like elections for president and it's all gonna be women and then i hope so we need our first male president i think so because if we're bringing this whole new society (laughs) like why not destroy the patriarchy yeah and then also in the metaverse you don't have to follow the rules of biology maybe women can just have their own children then what are men gonna do you know what i mean like men are gonna have to actually have good personalities you know what is actually a really interesting fact that they brought up in that panel is that um statistically men who engage in the metaverse and adopt a person like an identity because you don't have to be yourself that's a really right. interesting element of it you oh, can be anybody be women they choose to be women <laughs> oh my god um which is how contradictory right yeah. because the woman's experience in real life is discounted but when there's an opportunity for a man to be a woman it's yeah. like let's go let's go um and they've actually done a lot of work that it economically is viable yeah and that's the biggest thing right mm, i see is that they have like revenue stream revenue like make yeah it, oh, that's what it means by sustainable exactly like once your roi proves that what you're bringing in terms of vr to the real world is there like then people will get behind it yeah and yeah, you know, yeah that's an unfortunate because people truth. want the money people want the money that's where we live um this capitalist society that crushes us all uh <laughs> you got to show that more on that more on that later time. I think that's a part two but they're presenting these genuine use cases that are bringing value to like large corporations mm, um that b2b 
Yes, exactly. The B2B value. No, but you were talking about consumer. It's about bringing it to the consumer, right? Yes. So a couple examples that they had brought up. Um, a lot of these women have their own uh, VR design consultancies. So very similar mm. to just like your traditional design consultancy, which will come in and do like a project for you. I don't know, work on your branding, um, launch a marketing campaign. But they do that in the, in the metaverse with VR technology. Wow. Um, and a huge trend in the space right now is that a lot of brands are trying to market in the metaverse. But then they they don't know who they're marketing towards because it's like women. It's all women. <laughs> There's like a man behind it <laughs> who just wants to buy his like Legos. You know what's interesting? I went to a different panel. One of the only panels that I went to, Kara Swisher and mm-hmm. Kevin Sistrom. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, Kara Swisher is like one of the most renowned tech journalists. She's um, the host of many podcasts, but the main one that I listen to is Pivot. Um, she also listens. She also is the host of like I think on with Kara Swisher or something like that. Mm-hmm. She also has Sway. There's just a lot of things that she has her name attached to. Her There's day like, is like 48 hours. She did like a podcast where every episode of Succession she like broke it down in like broadcast to talk about like capitalism and stuff. But cool. Anyways, Kevin Systrom is the founder of Instagram, one of the founders of Instagram, and he recently launched Artifact with a couple people as well. Artifact is kind of a refreshed way to look at how we consume news is the problem that they're trying to tackle. But he was saying in the panel, it's kind of interesting. He had built Instagram with the vision of like having people feel more connected through photos. And I think by the time he had left Instagram, which was four years or or something like that after the acquisition, it was like somewhere between four to eight years, he stayed there for a while building out Instagram in relation to Facebook. He kind of started to feel some sense of remorse over I don't think he expressed this like explicitly but you could tell that he felt some way about the fact that Instagram now is like influencers and doubled down on commerce right and it's interesting I don't know if like the metaverse heading in like the e-commerce direction is like the right one anyways this is a whole other this is a whole other topic I know it's too bad though because like as we just said it's the only way that society will assume it's a viable technology Fair. Um, but I do think yeah. my job is I'm a designer, but I do work in the social media space. And you would think that a lot of these social platforms serve the same purpose. And they do, in some sense, connecting people through the internet, but they do it in such a different way. Mm. And to your point, Instagram is not authentic anymore. Instagram is like a commerce site. Yes. Like everything is charged by a brand. <laughs> All of the content is influenced by branding money. Yeah. You don't even know what's authentic anymore. Well, I'm finding this conversation very interesting. I don't know if it's interesting to others because this is a film and TV podcast. <laughs> I did meet this actress. I was telling you, I went to a film and TV happy hour. I met this actress and she is full time an actress, but she was talking about how she's like obsessed with AI and how she like goes to all of the like AI events at South by Southwest just because she's like, obsessed. Yeah. And I think it's cool to have like other like intellectual interests. I think like sometimes film and TV, we get too insular on like this is what's happening in like our internal world and like, you know, relationships between people and blah, blah, blah. And I think all of that is like super important to validate for people. But I do think there needs to be a connection to the outside world and how things are functioning, how we can create a better life for everyone. What statements should we be making or like how can we be thoughtful Mm -hmm. about making sure life is like an enjoyable experience for everyone, which is so tied to all these like economic, political, like macro factors. 
Um, so I think it's great for people to be interested in like AI and, you know, the metaverse and everything. Yeah, we definitely are at this precipice where AI is kind of being infused in every industry. Yeah, and actually she was saying, sorry, I keep interrupting no, you. No, go, I was for, just it, go say, for it. So she was saying how like she types in for screenwriting she'll mm. like type into ChatGPT and create like situations for ChatGPT to figure out like okay what actions could this person take next yeah. in my story and then they'll think of things that like she didn't even think of you know and that'll be very good input for her to use in screenplays that's actually very interesting it's almost like back in the day back in the day let's say back pre-ChatGPT <laughs> which what two months ago (laughs) (laughs) you would bounce those ideas off of a real flesh and blood person but chat gpt has almost become this person that you can talk to that has their own opinions that has their own original thoughts it's kind of scary is it original thoughts i don't know that's kind of a rabbit hole that's true that's true (laughs) like when you were talking i would almost think like she would use that tool to be like what has already been done because ChatGPT like oh, basically reads on everything true. that has happened, right? Yeah. Oh my god, that reminds me of Silicon Valley because I've been rewatching Silicon Valley to interview yeah. um, Greg Cufero, who's coming on the podcast to talk about how he was like the lead technical advisor on mm. Silicon Valley season six. And in season one, the very first technology that Richard creates is like an AI like engine to figure out if your song, if your songwriter has already been made or not and like detect plagiarism. Wow, <laughs> that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. We are at this point where AI is kind of being really infused in the creative community, actually. Mm, Yeah. Even for this podcast, this podcast, as we are recording, has no name. (laughs) It has no name. And then, yeah, we should share what you found on what they told you. That's tough. I can't remember, but... um, I think the main thing was the Tellywood Reporter. The Tellywood Reporter was actually (laughs) so funny. So good. It was it was incredible. For those who don't get it, it's Hollywood Reporter, okay? Yeah. And they came up with Tellywood. Yes. What the hell? And the prompt that I put in, um, so it started off with like, you are a marketing agency that works mm. exclusively with film studios. Okay. And film reporters. You have 10 years of experience in the industry. You have <laughs> launched multiple successful brands. That sounds like us. That's... Yeah, you are, are that. We are that. Working with a company called Telly, we do this. Our podcast is this. Give me 20 ideas. Wow. And that was one of them. Love it. And I mean, we're not going to call it Tellywood. It would be funny if this was actually called Tellywood Reporter. It would be funny. We, th- we thought for a second about calling it Tellywoo <laughs> as a nod to Bojack Horseman. Because <laughs> fucking amazing, right? But I think that Telly is too random and Woo is too random. People will be like, is this like a diaper brand? Yes, we would only get Bojack fans. Yeah. which i'm not opposed to but like we want some market appeal yeah yeah well i want anyone who be- is our fan to be a bojack fan but that's a whole other story i do feel like it's one of the best things that netflix has produced yeah 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 and actually that brings me maybe we t- we pivot into some of the film stuff because um i think there's a lot to talk about with all of the stuff that we went to again as you said like training day overall day one kind of a wash like we were just so overwhelmed i went to like the wrong events and stuff Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day we ended off on a high note when we saw bottoms and i know bottoms put you into a whole spiral of like stalking no not stalking stalking Um, rachel senate online stalking rachel senate yes (laughs) but i think that she's the kind of person that would want me to do that that's very big on the internet personality yeah you know that's true um so i did stalk her uh it was like 2 a.m 
<laughs> I was going through all of our Instagram posts. Uh, you are very sexy. I love if she's listening, your yeah. Instagram posts to um, our untitled podcast. But yes, bottom was great. Yeah, bottoms, bottoms. yeah, bottoms. Because there's two bottoms was amazing. That's Her right. ass and the other girl's ass. Yes, I don't know if that's actually why they called two it beautiful bottoms. Yeah, or maybe it was like they are just at the bottom rung of society. Oh, yeah. Maybe let's do a little uh, a little TLDR on what the film is actually about. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, yeah, because it's like two butts. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, did they go to a porno or something? <laughs> um, the film is about it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's about two like lesbians who, at high school who are at like the lowest bottom tier, as you were saying, bottom rung of the ladder. And they start this fight club to to bang attract, hot girls, yeah, essentially. Yeah, to solicit the breaking of their virginity. Right. I don't think you can break virginity. Sorry. To take, to have their virginity taken. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just wanted to fuck hot girls. They, they did. They did. It was just hilarious. Every other line made the theater literally explode. Yes. It killed. Killed. Yeah. And it makes me think like movies should put like pauses after they know that people are going to laugh because like we couldn't hear like half the lines because it was so <laughs> funny that like the laughter would be longer than like the pause for the next line. It's interesting because like the laughter almost added this whole other element to the film. And I think it's, yes. it's because like it premiered here, you know? Yeah. Um, people wait in line for more than an hour. Yeah, you build up so much anticipation Excitement. in line. People have been like people will build their whole day around it. Yeah, yeah. And so when you get there, it's a different energy. Like these people want to be here. Mm-hmm. And it, there's something so exciting about knowing that you are the first ever to see that screening. Mm-hmm. Do you think that seeing it in the theater is like the new 4D? Like it kind of adds a whole dimension, right? It's like the I think I think we've dimension. gone like full circle. <laughs> yeah, because it's like. We all wanted to be at home so we could like yeah. pee in the middle of a film. Yes. But now we're willing to hold it. We are. I had to pee so bad during so many screenings. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Future um, advice for anyone who wants to come, like literally time your bathroom breaks. Yeah. You need to go to the bathroom before you get in line for an hour and a half to totally. see a, an hour and a half movie. Yes, definitely. And anyways, overall, very original, like two lesbians, people of color represented and different sexualities. One of the girls pansexual mm-hmm. in the film. Yes. Um, starring Rachel Sennett and Io Ediberry, who starred in The Bear. Yes. Um, very, very exciting. I think the cool thing about South by Southwest is a lot of stars like come here to promote their films. And if we think about just a year ago, like Michelle Yeoh, um, Kihui Kwan, Stephanie Sue, were all here. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know if all of them were here, but um, like they were premiering uh, everything everywhere all at once last year. And like you never know which film you're going to see is going to be like a huge name that year. When I look back at going to Sundance in 2020, so many things became big out of it that I didn't watch at Sundance. And you never know. Like, I think that's something that's both special and difficult about going to a film festival is that you never know, like, A, if you're never, if no one ever is going to see the light of, like, this film is never going to see the light of day because you don't know if it's going to get picked up. Like, that could be really like the only time you can watch it and it can play and your friends will never see it. And B, you never know if the film is going to be big or not. Mm-hmm. And that adds like a difficulty in choosing what to see. Difficulty, but also I think um, the like ephemeralness of it, especially if it doesn't get picked up, yeah. makes every moment really special. 
Agree. And I think there's something super special about the fact that at film festivals, they have the director and performer, sometimes a producer. They come on stage and they do the Q&As. I think that they've done that at like basically every screening I've been to, except for one. Mm -hmm. Someone's been here to represent the film and like answer audience questions. And something about that is so magical. I went to see Wildlife, which is a documentary made by the directors of Free Solo. It's about the businessman, philanthropist, Doug Tompkins and his wife, who have undergone conservationist efforts in Chile, where they've bought up, used their business profits to buy up a ton of land yeah. there in order to conserve it as national parks instead of like extract minerals and everything as the rest of Chile is doing. And it was so cute. Like they, it, they're quite elderly, the people who are like featured in the film. And so they came on stage at the end and an audience member asked like, what was your favorite part about this whole process? And then one of the elderly men, his name is Rick. He was like, well, the best part is like right now. <laughs> and you could tell like, he just like didn't know what else to say. Like he was like so earnest, just like right now. And he was like so happy that everyone was there to see the film. And I think it's so emotional in that way. Yeah. I do think like if you're making a film, you're living in this microcosm for so long because mm. a film takes so much effort to make, you know, truly. And it's all building towards the moment where an audience ingests it fully. Yeah. And so he was there to experience that. I can't imagine what a high that must be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That must be insane. I think the other screening that we both went to together, uh, Michael J. Fox, the documentary Still. Yes. Still, I believe by Davis Guggenheim. It was amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. And the thing is that film had already done its world premiere at Sundance earlier this year. And so it wasn't the first time that it was being shown, but Michael J. Fox was there yes. and his team. What a cutie. Yeah. Um, so funny. And I think with a film like that, you know you're not the first to see it, but the energy in the room is so palpable just because Michael J. Fox is there and you know he's going to come up at the end to answer questions. And I think everyone in that theater was just in awe of him. You can't help but want the best for that film and that movie, like being in that space. Totally. And there were just so many things going for it. Like, obviously, one, Michael J. Fox is hilarious, Legend. beautiful personality. Yeah. Huge cutie. But the way that they had stitched together the different scenes, um, just background, the film was basically just his life. Yeah. From his childhood up into his stardom, yep. all the way into current day where he's dealing um, with a very tough disease of Parkinson's. And... The way that they had just stitched the footage together of his on-camera work and interviews, it added such an energy. I mean, the fact that he's dealt with this disease for so long, but has such positive and humorous spirits mm -hmm. is incredibly inspiring. I know. And it seemed like a lot of it was his family. He yeah. was so lucky to have met his wife. Such a strong woman, such a strong woman, because yeah. when it's a disease like that, it doesn't just impact you, it impacts everyone around you. You can tell she loves him. Like, yes. they, they have such a strong, strong relationship. Yeah. But he is yeah. thriving now. He's thriving. He's I think thriving. emotionally, he is at the best place of his life ever. Yeah. 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 But seeing him was amazing. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I went to 
American Born Chinese yesterday. Mm-hmm. This is exciting because this is a series that's coming out on Disney Plus and it's coming out in May, I believe. But it stars Michelle Yeoh and Ki Hui Kwan. Mm-hmm. I think Ki Hui Kwan is like more of a supporting, same with Michelle Yeoh. Everyone coming out of the Oscars was like, Michelle Yeoh, you are the queen. Same with Ki Hui Kwan. Um, I think the feeling of wanting to be there to support this Asian created work was irreplaceable almost the moment that michelle yo like her character comes on screen like you can people are like applaud it's not even her face yet it's just like her shoes mm-hmm. that are like coming in and you, you just know that that's like setting up her entering the scene but like everyone just like burst out in the theater um that's that 4d experience that we were talking about <laughs> but we know that we can see it later on disney plus honestly that specific series i'm like not super hot on it's more of a high school series but it's really special i think to be part of like the first ever launch and then just to see like all the actors come on stage and like talk about it totally i mean asians in hollywood and in film have just been coming up you know since parasite yeah yeah we've been on the come up parasite crazy rich asians i forget which one came first i think it i think it might have been crazy rich asians yeah yeah crazy rich asians the farewell the farewell loved that it's still special you know yeah like when we try to make these carousels on telly and it's like aapi month asian american pacific islander month and we're putting on we're putting up like a carousel of all the things that we want people to see in celebration there's really not that much I know it's a little disheartening you know yeah we're like just trying to fill like 10 spaces and we're like how do we fill 10 spaces yeah especially we want like Asians who are the lead Mm -hmm. so I think there's still so much opportunity for people so I'm very happy that Disney plus it's this series is basically at the level of like high school musical the musical that series that they made you know it's Disney plus investing in this the sound like the effects and stuff are very very cool and it's all Asian yeah, I think this goes back to like what we were talking about before. It's profitable. And <laughs> I'm sorry to say that because Michelle Yeoh is amazing. Everything that she does should be, you know, recognized. But mm-hmm. I do think now Hollywood is realizing that putting Asians on screen is still profitable. Yeah. Well, there's like such a big support for that. And I think it's not just from Asian people seeing it. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone wants to see that. I think it's almost like cool now to support stories that are tend to be more marginalized mm-hmm. i went to see mustache as well i hope that it gets picked up and that everyone can see it that's a pakistani american story of a boy in high school Ilyas, who goes to he gets moved from his islamic high school and has to go to public school just plain white american public school mm-hmm. and is kind of grappling with that change in his life while also grappling with the desire to be faithful to his religion yes you know what i'm i feel like we're moving towards is just a typical story where the character is uh not necessarily asian american but just diverse yeah before i feel like if we wanted to focus on more diverse stories it was a lot about our trauma yeah you know like that immigrant story of coming up and our trauma uh, minari perfect example of that (laughs) It was a great film. Yeah, wonderful um, film. But I was a little bit like, is this all that we have to offer? Yeah, like just showcasing our trauma on screen. Or- exactly. Yeah. And this is great because we saw Polite Society yesterday. Oh, yeah. And that was totally not yes. that. It was not. It was literally an action movie. It was. That just happened to have. And it's like British. Like it's British schoolgirls 
just happened to have like all Indian cast. Yeah, and they brought their culture in in the context, but it was not the main focus. The main focus was just the story of the lead trying to become a stunt woman. Yeah. And sisterly love, you know, a very universal theme that did not only apply to immigrants. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know at this point in my life if I'm that affected by like Asian American stuff i'm just a person navigating life trying to do things that are meaningful find my creative voice find love you know i don't know if that is really rooted in these like ancestral roots that i have in china or anything like that it's not such a strong thread of your identity yeah exactly like that's it it is obviously (laughs) um but you can be so much more and i think we're in this space now where you know crazy rich asians even though it was just a fun film has opened up the gates for us yeah yeah exactly what else did we see i saw you were my first boyfriend you saw a ton of stuff i saw a ton of stuff this was incredible and i think that not everyone would have liked it per se because it's actually very inward looking as a documentary it's a little unconventional to be like that it's almost like the rehearsal Actually, for those who like the rehearsal, I'm obsessed with the rehearsal. It's like this guy who's creating situations where people who are nervous for certain events in their life can rehearse it again and again to get it right perfectly. Mm. And this series like evolves into something like totally like all consuming and existential. And you realize that the creator is not just like a third party standby, like helping these other people. He's trying to help himself. And in that sense, it's very personal. And when I was watching You Were My First Boyfriend, I was just thinking about how she was trying to recreate these situations that had haunted her for so long to provide herself with healing, also to provide others with healing. She actually brought back people in high school that she knew were bullied, but she recreated like the situations with, you know, the girl who was bullied, the cool girls, and had her like watch that scene and feel the catharsis mm, of that. And I'm sure closure and find closure yeah so in that sense it was like so personal and i think the film gets into some like deeper other situations as well it's also very funny um i really hope people get to see that one because it's so creative unconventional and personal what a privilege to go back and rethink some tumultuous moments in your life i want to recreate high school i want to recreate when all the freaking kids were playing red rover and i was not there fun fact (laughs) karen and i met in high school yeah yes when i was a little go bit, rams i was a little bit nerdier no i don't you're think still that's really true. nerdy I'm still pretty nerdy <laughs> um but but in a cool way yeah i hope so yeah i really do hope so um but i can't imagine recreating high school it would be too much yeah because i i think it is like a pretty common thought that people just don't want to relive high school yeah exactly it's so so common yes i think it's part of your brain chemistry to just hate everything that's happening man who would be if we made that movie yeah who would be in it well i don't know if we should name i don't want to call out people <laughs> but um karen and i can make eye contact about who we yeah. would bring in yeah yeah i think certain teachers wink yeah <laughs> definitely certain people wink <laughs> <laughs> this could go on and on and on wink yeah <laughs> It was an interesting time. Tell me about your first boyfriend. My first boyfriend. Oh, Kenny. (laughs) Actually, you know what's funny is from first grade, I was like, me and this guy were like obsessed with each other. Not guy, boy. Just child. He was a boy. Just a boy child. Yes. 
um obsessed with each other i would go to his hockey games because he's a hockey player wow yeah cutie. he like burned me cds with oh, songs with CDs. swear words on them yeah. you guys remember that <laughs> burning cds and then making your own like cd yeah. cover yes and then what happened you know it's funny i don't talk to him anymore like we went to s- different like high schools and colleges and everything like our lives are very different now yeah but my friend who lives in toronto saw him on hinge the other day wow. and he goes by ken now no longer kenny he's still searching for his karen <laughs> You were the one that got away. I found my Ken, <laughs> but he's searching for his Karen. He's searching for his Karen. He's just holding this sad, lonely CD, trying to give it to somebody. Whatever the thing is on Hinge, like get the prompt. It's like my secret talent is blah, blah, blah. I think his is like, I know the best place for to get an espresso martini. And I was like, you know what? That's why we're not together. Really? <laughs> I love an espresso martini. I know you do love espresso martinis. I can't do cocktails, really. I can't do espresso. So it's just like both of those things together. Is yeah, they don't appeal to you. Yeah, yes. doesn't appeal. So as a, did you say first grade? First grade. As a first grader, you knew what was up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was cool. He introduced me to Eminem, the rapper. <laughs> Not the candy? <laughs> and and the candy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, do you remember your first boyfriend? my first boyfriend we got together in grade six (laughs) i feel like grade six was the one year that i was popular i was part of the popular crew in grade six no i can see that oh and then it all went away for me but we were on the same bus route so did you get did your heart like flutter every time you got on the bus before you guys because you were like you noticed each other and then you were like where am i gonna sit where is she gonna sit where is he gonna sit honestly i don't think i liked him that much (laughs) (laughs) okay i was just trying to be cool and get a boyfriend okay so anyone would do and i have this very distinctive memory we were sitting um on the bus together and he like scooched over and tried to give me a kiss on the cheek. What? And I flinched and like recoiled no. really fast. And that was the wow. precipice of the end of our relationship. <laughs> he brought all the passion. You brought the indifference. And then I didn't have a boyfriend until university. <laughs> Literally. You know, actually my first like real boyfriend, probably grade seven Although the thing is, he never became my boyfriend because I was like filled with intense love for him. Right. You know, if I could recreate a situation, I think actually I would really recreate this one because I was in seventh grade. Like in seventh grade, I don't think you really understand impacts that you have on other people that deeply. Mm -hmm. Like you don't understand that like if you break someone's heart, that's their lived experience every single day. Yeah. Like for you, you're just like, yeah, I don't have to deal with this guy anymore. Yeah. But for them, it's like, holy shit. And like, I absolutely adore this guy called Luke. We're on the swim team together. Shout out Luke. Shout out to Luke. He's actually a filmmaker now, I think. The last I saw of him. So maybe we'll cross paths again and we can recreate this situation. But um, yeah, I was just so like obsessed with him. He was obsessed with me. We had a song. It was Bleeding Love by Leona Lewis. Wow. The tension was building, building, building. One day we decided that we're going to say it to each other. Mm -hmm. And then the moment I said it, I just got the ick. Because I was like, oh, the ick. He can see through me. Like, I think the thing is, like, when you love someone that intensely, but then are not ready for them to see it, you feel like I didn't know where to put all this adoration and love that I had for him. And I didn't like that he could see it so clearly for me, in me, at that point. I felt so vulnerable. Oh, actually, I totally lied. I did have a boyfriend for him. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Go ahead. But that ick yes i i think it's a universal ick yeah um that happened to me we were dating 
uh, just chill dating. We held hands. Oh, and then that's very intimate. That's the most intimate thing you can do as like a sixth grade. Is it sixth sixth grade or something? It was. Uh, it was sixth grade. Wow, what? serial dater. Yeah, I know. I was hoeing around in sixth grade. <laughs> um, but his name was Michael. Okay. My name is Michelle. Yeah. He made a necklace for me. Michael is the female version of Michelle. Yeah. So I thought we were meant to be. Yeah. He made a necklace for me. That's cute. It had two little beads, M&M. No diamonds? No diamonds. Oh, M&M. Yes. <laughs> and then I distinctly remember we were outside by like the baseball diamond. Mm-hmm. He told me to turn around. Ooh, the other way. The other way. And then he put the necklace on me. Ooh. And then ick. Oh, you got the ick? And then I broke up with him two days later. No. <laughs> Did you keep the necklace? I think I gave it back to him. Like, what's the etiquette there? He basically proposed to you. He like, did. He basically asked him, you to marry him. I know. He basically was like, let's go to the same high school. Let's go to the same university. And let's have 10 children. Yeah. But the ick. Totally yeah. get it. Yeah. Totally get it. I don't understand people who were just like, yeah, me and my boyfriend just like loved each other. I feel like you have to have like so much, I don't know, self-love or something for that. Like, I know. Vulnerability. Barf, barf, barf. Yes. For me, I just like wasn't ready to be vulnerable. I was like tough, tough, tough. Like need to like succeed in school, win at swimming, whatever. Like no one can see me. Like, That's weak. your Asian heritage peeking uh, its way through. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, now I'm like, love me, will you? <laughs> I think I've grown a lot since those days, but it's interesting because just as we were talking about it, I did feel a certain way about those times in seventh grade because I think the thing is I feel guilty about it Mm. Um, and like how carelessly I had just like been like, fuck off. Um, That's true. What if you had like met them again? Like had you gone on this journey of making this film? Yeah. And then they told you straight up, this was a pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what she did in the film. Yeah. Because she went back to this one guy. She was more on the side of like, she was the one who was broken up with. And so she was not necessarily bogged down with feelings of guilt, but she felt embarrassed Mm -hmm. for how much she was obsessed with this one guy who who didn't, she didn't even know if um, he knew about her. Was he in the film? She like found him, contacted him and read like a letter that she had written as like a 14 year old. Yeah. To him. And like had him just listen to it. It was like a poem, actually. It was a poem. I think she ended up being able to get closure there because all this like one way stream of energy. I think she finally felt like seen in it or like she was able to kind of put an end to that intensity that she had felt for so long. But yeah, that was a very thought provoking film and I hope you get to see it at some point. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. I hope so. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of the people we met or connected with. We had some pretty cool experiences, whether it was in line or sharing Ubers or whatever. I can start. My highlight, I think, on day two was seeing Yvonne Orji in a panel. Yvonne Orji, for those who don't know, starred next to Issa Rae on the show Insecure. She played Molly freaking badass she also is a stand-up comedian um has multiple specials on hbo max i adore her and after the panel which was the panel was incredible everyone had great energy anthony mackie was on it um and a couple other folks she had a book signing and um it was incredible just to talk to her even for just two minutes she was so nice to me and gave me some great advice actually about life and so i think that's going to stand out as a memory Yeah, that's really interesting that it was such a short amount of time 
but every second was really impactful. What do you think is going to be one of your most memorable conversations or like moments you connected with someone here? So I didn't actually end up meeting anybody famous, but I was waiting in line for Satan Wants You, which is this mm. documentary um, about a satanic cult in the 80s. That's all I know because I literally didn't get in. <laughs> Michelle has a special particular interest in satanic cults. In satanic cults, um, I was thinking about joining one. Yeah. And I think you should lead one, in fact. You know, I could, but aside, um, <laughs> I was waiting in line for this film and a whole conversation started with me just asking if this guy was in the right line. Just a simple yes or just no. Just a simple question. But it was interesting because uh, on the surface, we don't seem like the same kind of person. Like he was a little bit older. He's 47. He was a white guy. He was bald. And mm. I have hair. You have a lot of hair. So there you go. Volumous hair. I know. It's a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> um, but we ended up chatting for quite a while like two and a half hours. <laughs> um, it was insane. And the conversation just meandered through so many different things. It started off basically, you know, like professionally, what do you do? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. What's something that you've seen? But then it got into very personal things like, what's your family like? Wow. Um, what has your journey been up to this point? You know, what were your highs Whoa. and lows? And we had bonded because he was also a designer in the past. So it took on this um, dynamic where I was learning from him. But then it, it just got to like a place where we were talking about society as a whole, our identities, like who we see as um, ourselves in the future. And I thought that was really crazy because while he was way older than me, it doesn't mean that um, we can't talk about these very universal themes. Yeah, he does. He still has hopes and dreams. He still has hopes and dreams. And then after two and a half hours, he just went our own ways. He was yeah. like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get a salad. And I was like, I have an event. Um, I will see you in Austria. Yeah. So something about this serendipitous moment. Well, that's a very meaningful one. It was like so long that you guys chatted. Yeah, and just no barriers in the conversation. I think, I don't know, if you meet a stranger like that, uh, you kind of go on no expectations. You mm -hmm. say what you want to say. Yeah. It's very authentic because you know it's going to end. You're probably not going to see this person ever again. It's very low stakes. But honestly, that was very memorable for me. Yeah, I, I can. T I definitely think you came out of that feeling great about having connected with this person who's in a totally different like life context, exactly. experience, etc. Yeah. Yeah, and if you had showed up five minutes later... You wouldn't have someone chatted. else would have been in the line. Yeah. Had we gotten to the film, yeah. we wouldn't have chatted. Yeah. If I were to come again next year, one thing I would do differently is I might do more chatting. Mm -hmm. I would get stressed about like, oh, if we start talking, like they're going to feel like they have to like talk to me until this movie starts, which is 45 minutes from now. Yeah. It's kind of a big ask, almost like burdensome. But I think the chances that I did take were good. Like on the whole you're not going to regret chatting with someone. And actually, because I chatted with people, I met very like high key producers or like editors of magazines or like people who run film festivals that like ev almost every connection I made was quite high quality. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think if I had really been going for it, I could have met like easily like 4X the number of people. Well, there was this moment where I was waiting to get into a panel and I had done the same thing where I was just asking the guy in front of me if I was in the right line. He was like, yes. 
and then he turned his back to me harsh harsh yeah um but yeah definitely putting yourself out there i think just this is the environment where your average person is open yeah exactly and there's so many fish in the sea literally so many fish walking on the streets of austin yeah so that guy in front of me like fuck you bye maybe you'd even come by yourself like i know you're mentioning yeah. before that it was it's definitely going to be stressful but i think it would be stressful the first time the first now day. that we've come maybe. yeah 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 because i think part of what was like constraining i guess this is the part where we talk about like what we would do differently mm. i might not entertain bringing someone who doesn't have a badge because i think i sacrificed certain things we love Kevin and Nico, but if they weren't here, we would have seen Problemista. We would have seen Tilda Swinton. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like there's films that you can't buy a ticket to. You have to have a pass to go to. Yeah. And because of that, like I would change which movie I was going to. And then it was stressful because you have to wait in different lines. So I would say I would probably keep it to like people with badges. I think coming by yourself would be fine. But it was really nice to like come back to an Airbnb and have people to talk to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would come alone. But it's doable. You would have enough to do. It's definitely doable. Yeah. For sure. Um, I do agree. You feel like each day is so precious. Yeah, yeah. You want to maximize You want to maximize. Totally. Um, but I think it was still a good experience to bring them. Yeah. I think they're definitely hyped for next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scream at them to get a pass. Buy them on pre-sale before March 31st. Buy them on pre-sale or beg your boss. That True. also works. For select members of the corporate community yes work on your boss for like six months (laughs) and then beg her actually brian um who was here with us sent all of his notes from all of his sessions to his boss Mm -hmm. and his boss was like oh hey like maybe we should go next year it seems relevant yeah there are so many smart people here yeah like so many smart people with just such rarefied information that you genuinely would never know about yeah i love being in this space because it's full of like ideas and optimism and like the outpouring of brilliance mm-hmm. almost from every angle like creative academic societal intellectual friendship i think it's like the best of almost sometimes you know conferences like this like people put their best content forward best foot forward yeah so it kind of refreshes you I do think the next challenge for us is to keep that energy going. Yeah. Well, now we have this artifact of our time mm-hmm. in this podcast and we can kind of remember how we felt. And I think other big takeaway is just like see things in the theater. It's not going to be the same as South by Southwest per se. You don't have that same thing where it's like the premiere and like the people who made it are here. Mm-hmm. But still like the energy of the theater is like the fourth dimension. I do agree. Don't cheat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Like if someone around you is laughing, it'll be funnier. You're going to laugh. It's funnier. There's like an intangible energy in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we were able to meet after so long. This served so many purposes for us. Definitely. We have another screening to get to. We're doing so many things today. It's our second last day, but we have a strong lineup of things that we're going to see. Yes. So we're going to go out with a bang. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, stay cool. Telly woo. Thanks for listening. Stay cool, telly woo. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. That's going to sound so random after we don't call this podcast telly woo. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Bye bye.